You're listening to The Recovered Life Show, the show that helps people in recovery live their best recovered lives. And here is your host, Damon Frank. And welcome back to The Recovered Life Show. We're talking about mood disorders and addiction today. I'm pleased to be joined by my guest, Darren Dennis, a therapist from Tarzana, California. How you doing, Darren? I'm well, Damon. How are you? I am doing great. I was pleased to find out that you're actually right down the street from me. You know, you never know with the Recovered Life Show. We're actually geography-wise very close. Absolutely. I was I was quite pleased to discover that myself. Well, I'm so glad to have you on the show today. You know, Darren, there's a lot of questions with people who are in therapy and also mm. in addiction recovery. Yes. about mood disorders. It's kind of a mysterious thing. And people talk about them now in 12-step groups and in early addiction recovery. Can can we shed a little bit of light on this in this interview? And I'd like to just really dive in with your experience about like what is a mood disorder from a therapist's perspective? What is it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, a mood disorder in a really broad definition um, is any sort of mental health issue uh, that is long-term. And by long-term, I mean that it's been persistent for six months or more. Uh, that directly affects your mood. Um, the two probably most commonly diagnosed mood disorders are um, major depressive disorder, um, and that can fall into three different categories, um, mild, moderate, or severe, um, and then also uh, generalized anxiety disorder. Um, and uh, within the within the context of general anxiety disorder, you can oftentimes people experience things like, like panic disorder or um, sort of social um, uh, social anxiety disorder. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting. We were chatting a little bit before we started the show and I was expressing, you know, as somebody who's been in recovery for decades and seeing new people come into recovery, you kind of see it through a different eye, right? You see it differently because you've gone through it. Right. And one of the things I was talking with you about before the show started was, is that there's so many people that experience these feelings that you just said, these symptoms in right. early recovery, it might not have anything to do with the mood disorder, right? Because it's so right. it's so similar to what you experience, like anxiety, depression, all these things are really evident in early recovery. How do you know if it's not just early recovery or if it's maybe a mood disorder? Because I've noticed that people, the longer that they're in recovery, maybe six months, yeah. a year, then other things about their personality or about you know medical symptoms that they might have kind of mm -hmm. kind of start to come up. H how do you start to differentiate that and kind of shake that out to determine, no, this just isn't the recovery process. It's something more. That's an excellent question. Um, and the the number one thing I would say is uh time. Time is probably the, the biggest determiner between whether it's uh, part of the recovery process when, um, you know, work, when you're working on sobriety or whether it's a longer term issue. Um, I will say that, you know, uh, just to build off of one of the things that you and I were talking about earlier, um, quite frequently people who are in recovery um, will discover or they will uncover as part of the recovery process, usually later in the recovery process, like you said, between like six to six months to a year, um, that uh, they are actually dealing with, with a mood disorder or some other mental health issue. 
that the um, the reliance on whatever it is they're in recovery from um, was serving as a distraction or serving as a way of them uh, taking care of those mental health needs um, in a in a way that was effective for a while, but is not effective any longer. Yeah, I love that because you know I think so many people in recovery, Darren, I think come in right and they need more. And whether it's a 12-step group, a, a church group, maybe it's, you know, a private group or whatever, coaching or therapy, and they sometimes isolate and say, it's like, well, it's just got to be the 12-step group, or it's got to be my home group, or it's got to be this. And yeah. things start to arise. And, you know, and I've I've seen that, you know, it, 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 in my recovery, and there's a resistance to say, you know what, I'm going to double down on this. It's going to really help me. And I, I've noticed that people who have mood disorders... um, who kind of double down on 12-step groups, although it helps their recovery, doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily the best path to fighting depression or, you know, massive anxiety. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, I, I, Please don't don't misunderstand me. I am absolutely 100% a supporter of all the different programs that are out there to help people in recovery. Um, you know, I'm I'm in recovery myself, um, and the the groups that I attend um, are are vitally important to the the recovery process that I'm in. Um, you know, and I'm also a person who suffers from a mood disorder, and um, actually that's something that was diagnosed a long time before my uh, before the recovery process that I that I started. Um, and the reason I mention all of that is twelve step programs or church groups or um, you know all, all the other different types of recovery programs. They're vitally necessary for a person who is dealing with any sort of addiction and that they and that they want to uh, get out of or get out from under. Um, when it comes to raising your awareness around a mental health disorder, uh, like a mood disorder, really, um, you know, group therapy is a good thing. And that's very different than a, than a 12 step program. Um, and one of the biggest differences is that any good group therapy is going to be run by a licensed therapist. Um, and uh, you'll be talking to people who come from a, a wide variety of backgrounds, not necessarily all from recovery. Um, so uh, you'll get a, a broader uh, experience uh, as to how the mood disorder might be affecting you or other people. Um, and then, of course, as an individual therapist, I'm going to very strongly support anybody going to see a therapist themselves. Um, and really, that's the best way to get diagnosed um, uh, if while going through the recovery process after when you reach like the sixth or seventh month period um if you're still experiencing things like depressive symptoms if you're still experiencing the the hopelessness or the you know really raised anxiety or whatever go see a therapist um and there's lots and lots of therapists who will meet with you for 20 minutes or half hour for free just to get to so get to know you and you get to know them they won't necessarily provide you with a diagnosis in that period of time but you know a lot of people are uh, uncomfortable with seeing therapists there's a lot of there're a lot of uh, kind of ideas about therapists that are out there um and uh you know as a therapist i like to say that therapy is one of the best things that we can do for ourselves you know in in the world of in the world of therapy and certainly in the world of of um, recovery, we like to talk a lot about self-care and seeing a therapist is one of the best ways that you can do that. So, um, and then I also wanted to mention that, uh, you know, things like mentors or, or sponsors, they're vitally necessary for the recovery process and treating them like therapists isn't fair to them. 
and 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 expecting them to be able to help you with your mental health issues isn't fair to them because they're not trained to do that. So um, having both, if you're in recovery and you want to see a therapist, having both a sponsor and a therapist is one of the best things you can do to yourself or do for yourself, not to yourself, sorry, but that you can do for yourself. Um, and uh, yeah, just help you help you best life that you that you want to. Yeah, I love you know what I love that because in your experience of going through this and being in recovery yourself and having this, you know, you're probably much more uh open because you work in the field, right? And and I've seen a change, uh, Darren, over the last I would say decade specifically, with mm. with more of an openness, especially in 12-step groups, to seek other help. You know, and I always found yeah. it, you know, for me. You know, I had major anxiety all in my recovery, right? And it took me embarrassingly years to really try to address it. And I fought it. And, you know, in my internal dialogue, to be honest, looking back, it's so crazy. But my internal dialogue was, is like, you know what? If I only worked harder in my recovery and emotional growth and emotional, it would be good. But the reality was, Darren, is that it wasn't going to, it wasn't going to work. Right. And I look back on that now and I see that crazy. And you know, when you look in like the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, mm -hmm. it's told by a story of somebody who had a massive depression problem, right. Who is really Absolutely. struggling from this as well. So I look at it and indifferently now, and I do applaud uh, the change in the recovery community of being much more accepting of outside help. And mm -hmm. it's not just one fix and you're done and that's it. You're on that path forever, right? You can grow and right. you can learn. Absolutely. Um, you know, <clears throat> I think as a human, I think as human beings, uh, you know, part of our part of our purpose in existence is growing and learning. You know, and one of the one of the most important ways we can grow and learn is to grow and learn about ourselves. And uh, understand what it is that's keeping us from being the best, you know, the best Darren or the best Damon that we can be, or the best, you know, yeah. whoever your listener is, they can that can they can be. Um, and certainly, uh, you know, whatever it is you're recovering from, that's a tremendously huge and important step towards becoming your authentic self. But so is dealing with the anxiety or the depression or whatever else is coming up for you in the meantime. Um, and you know, it's. It's funny. Uh, and the only reason I say it's funny is because I hear the story that you just shared with me quite frequently. Um, when people talk about, uh, you know, in the recovery process, or they they've gotten to the backside of the recovery process, um, and uh, they're starting to recognize that there's a deeper issue, and they they try to white knuckle it. Right? I'm just going to will myself to to feel better. Yeah. Um, and in the same way that that doesn't work in recovery, it doesn't work in it doesn't work in mood disorders either. You know, you need assistance. You need a trained professional you need a group you need skills you need all of those things um and then you need to apply them and it's amazing how much better we can feel and how much better our lives can be not just feel but actually be um when we put all that into into practice for all of you recovered life show listeners who've battled in sobriety and are ready to level up listen up i'm offering a week of my accountability coaching 
absolutely free. This isn't just about day-to-day survival. It's about aggressively propelling your life forward. Whether you're new to sobriety or have been sober for years and are struggling to elevate your life, I'm going to be your partner for a week and help you get on track and start living the recovered life you deserve. We're not just talking about setting goals here. We're going to pursue real, tangible breakthroughs in your personal and business life. This is more than recovery. It's about owning your path and seizing the greatness you're destined for. But hurry, spaces are limited. Don't wait. Go to DamonFrank.com and claim your free week and start your journey. It's time to transform survival into thriving. Visit DamonFrank.com and book your free week now. Yeah, you know, I I, I love how you put that because there is this inner inner struggle. And, and I'll tell you, my inner struggle was is deep down inside, and, and I got this actually with doing therapy years later, is deep down inside, I thought, if I dealt with my anxiety disorder, mm. then... It somehow the process of that was going to break my physical sobriety. And I really cherish my physical sobriety because I'd been around long enough that I realized, and you know, Darren, like many people don't make it. Like, you know, there might be people who are listening to the show that have tried years and years and years to get sober and never gotten a week, right? Like, so I was terrified. I was like, you know what, man, if I deal with this and it somehow breaks what I have, then I'm really screwed. I'll never be able to come, right? And it was an yeah. illogical fear after I went down the path. It was just totally illogical. But I think there was just this fear of the unknown. You know, Darren, I'd love for you to address what can people expect if they're listening to this and they're saying, you know what, hey, man, this Darren and David are talking about me. I've got depression. I've got anxiety. I've got some sort of other issue. And I'm just fighting it. I just don't know what's going to happen when I get in front of this therapist. Can you walk over how it kind of works so people don't have that kind of anxiety? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Any sort of therapy, any sort of therapy, whether it's, um, you know, what the, what people think of like the classic talk therapy, right. Which, um, you know, uh, is what most people see when they're, when they're watching television or movies, though, those that, very rarely do they get it right. But anyways, whether it's the classic talk therapy or it's something that's really super skills-based, like uh, like um, cognitive behavioral therapy or anything like that, um, study after study after study has shown that the real recovery or the, the real work towards mental health comes from the relationship that the client and the therapist have. Okay. Um, and in as the therapeutic alliance. It's, it's just a relationship. And admittedly, it's a weird relationship. Um, you develop, you, you reveal eventually, after you've learned to trust your therapist, you talk about really intimate things with them. Um, and you they know a lot more, the therapist knows a lot more about you than you know about them, because that's just the way the therapy relationship works, right? Um, and the therapist is somebody that you come to trust as being really caring and really concerned and really... You know, I don't want to use the word loving because that that brings up all sorts of other issues. But, you know, there's a true relationship that develops and it's a caring relationship. And it's one that that is focused on the on the client and helping the client to grow. With that said, you have to develop that relationship. 
And then the process of developing that relationship involves coming in and talking and getting to know each other a little bit. Um, and uh, that's really what the therapeutic relationship is. Yes, there are there are skills that can be involved that the therapist can teach you to help you manage certain thoughts, manage uh, behaviors, can't really manage feelings. But, um, you know, and, and those skills are very important, don't get me wrong. And oftentimes in the teaching of those skills, that's where that trust gets developed between yourself and the therapist. Um, and really what it takes is it takes time and it takes consistency and it takes a therapist that you feel like is listening to you and that you learn that you learn to know really cares about you. I, I love that. So, I love how you put that. Thanks. Um, I mean, I suppose the, the simplest and most direct answer is, yeah, going to talk to a therapist for the first time is a scary thing. It can be, you don't know, really know what to expect. Um, you know, do your research. Uh, read the bios of, of all the different types of people that you're interested in. Do you want a male therapist? Do you want a female therapist? Do you want a therapist who works with a specific group of people, like people in recovery or LGBTQAI plus, or uh, you know, or a faith-based therapist, or a person who shares the same cultural background or ethnic background or whatever it is? Look for those people. Um, then do your research. Read the bios. Learn about the different types of therapy that they offer. Most therapists provide a a, a therapy in a wide variety of modalities. That's just different types of therapy. Um, and, you know, educate yourself a little bit about what those types of therapy are and what you think is going to work best or fit best with you. And then make phone calls. And like I said, you know, talk to us, see if a therapist can offer like a 20 minute consultation where you can get to know each other a little bit without, without it costing you anything before really taking your, taking the first plunge. I, I love that. You know, um, I, it says in um, in twelve step groups a lot. We hear more will be revealed, right? And I think I, I think that's been my that's been my experience. It's shocking how much is revealed if you just physically stay sober, right? Like the, it seems. I, I would think your that would probably be your advice as well. Is that like physical sobriety? You have to have physical sobriety to really pursue any of this, right? Like so, yeah. But after that physical sobriety comes up, there are so many different ways to be able to pursue emotional sobriety, to have a better life, to live your best recovered life. Because, you know, I think so many people are just kind of wasting away. I, I call it church basement thinking. They're just stuck. Okay, I'm physically sober. I, 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 I'm, but that's it. My life is horrible. My life, right? My life is not yeah. much better than what it was when I was using it, except for I'm not using. But but now what, right? And I, and I think what you're describing is a, really the ability to really kind of have unlimited potential in your own mm -hmm. personal development. Absolutely. The, the physical sobriety is really important. It's really, really important. Um, and I think it's the first step towards emotional sobriety for the vast majority of people who are seeking, you know, seeking complete physical and mental health. And so, as I stated at the beginning of all this, uh, statistics have shown that the vast majority of people who use are doing so to address a deeper issue. And that deeper issue is almost always a mental health issue of some kind. Yeah. Yeah. Derek, can, I know a, qu a common question that people are going to have here is, can you recover from a disorder like this can can do you fully recover or is it something like alcoholism where like look i am recovered you know yeah. i i do not drink alcohol i'm not obsessed with alcohol day to day right like uh but right. i can't drink alcohol 
right? So it's always there. Yeah. There's always a potential, right? That that I could relapse. Um, it's just it's a day by day thing. Can you really, uh, with mood disorders, recover from mood disorders? <laughs> You can recover from mood disorders, but you can't cure mood disorders. Um, and what I mean by that, and in this way, in this way, uh, mood disorder is very similar um, in the lifelong experience to uh, to recovery from from some sort of use addiction. Um, mm -hmm. Generally speaking, anxiety and depression, um, and I'm just focusing on those two because they're the, those two are by far the most common mood disorders that any therapist is going to see. Um, the, like I said, those aren't things that that you you can cure per se. Okay, um, there's a wide variety of things, um, medication and therapy and skill based stuff that you can implement over the course of your life that can certainly reduce those symptoms to the point where you feel like you're, you're where you feel like you're cured. Okay, and if you stop using the skills or if you stop using the medication, um, and if you honestly, if you if you stop seeing a therapist on a semi-regular basis. And by that, I mean, maybe way down the line, you're seeing a therapist like once every four or five months to check in type of thing. Okay. <clears throat> um, those are ways that you can invite, I, I don't want to necessarily use the term relapse because I don't want to confuse between the things, but you can experience a return of some of those symptoms if you're not using those, if you're not using those resources to, to maintain your mental health. Yeah, love that. Um, Darren, in your experience, because you've been through this personally, right? You're in recovery. You've had to deal with one of these th these issues. Mm -hmm. um, what is the biggest thing that you've learned from this? Having gone through this personally, mm -hmm. what was your big aha moment? The thing that you took away from this? I would say my biggest aha moment is don't ever discount your support network. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll be, I'll be really transparent. Um, the, the holiday season can be a tough one for me sometimes. And, uh, I had, I had, um, I re-experienced, a, a, um, some symptoms that came back during this holiday season and it, they very much caught me by surprise. And, um, after talking to my own therapist about it, I recognized that I had really reduced my support network and, um, I was trying to white knuckle it as we talked about. And I'm like, yeah, duh. I tell my own clients all the time not to do that. So let's let's um, start trusting my friends and my colleagues and my spouse and everybody else a little bit more. Start opening up a little bit more. Um, and uh, the amount of support and the amount of consideration and uh, just the amount of assistance that I've gotten in uh, dealing with the with that the reoccurrence of those symptoms has been um, amazing. So that that for me, I would say that's that's probably my biggest, most recent aha moment is never, never discount and always, always, always look to lean on your support network. That's where they're there. Mm, I love that. You know, I, I found COVID made that even worse for me. I feel like I have 25%, yeah. if that, of what I had pre-COVID, right? And I even find sometimes that longer term sobriety, it's harder because I have less patience to tap in right to, to the thing. So it's like, Nope, yeah. I don't want that. Nope. I don't want that. Right. So I'm more judgmental. I'm less open. So I've had to learn to be more open 
with, 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 when picking a support and more patient with myself and others when picking that support network. Uh, Darren, final thoughts here. If somebody's out there and they're listening to this and they're saying, you know, wow, everything that Darren's saying, I'm really relating to. I think this is me. But they just have really a lot of fear to just kind of take this first step. What would be your message to them? First of all, to be afraid of taking this first step is human. It's an emotion that most of us are uncomfortable with, and that's okay. And I would also encourage you to not allow that fear to dictate your behavior. And do the best you can to really allow yourself to feel the fear and then face it and to push through it. So, and then, you know, I think the last thing I would say is I don't care where you are in the nation. Um, you know, look me up on psychology today, reach out to me. And if you, I mean, I, unless you're in California, I can't, I can't see you as a, as a, as your therapist, but I can certainly talk to you and help you, you know, maybe help you push through that fear for a couple. You know, I, I can always talk to somebody for 20 minutes. And if you're willing to be open with me, I'm willing to be as helpful for you as I possibly can be. But, you know, I love barring that. that, barring that, allow yourself to experience that fear and then do the best you possibly can to push through it. Share that fear with somebody else. Maybe talk to somebody else who, who you suspect or know has seen a therapist and talk to them about what it, what it was like the first time. So you recognize that you're not alone. Such great advice, Darren. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, guys. We're going to put a link to how you can reach Darren in the show notes. So you could just click on that and uh, you can directly access him. Thank you so much for coming on the Recovered Life Show today. Really appreciate it, Darren. It's been a blast. Thank you very much. It's, it's been a real pleasure, Damon. Sometimes addiction recovery can be a lonely battle, but you don't have to fight it alone. At Recovered Life, we're dedicated to helping you live your best recovered life. And that's why we're inviting you to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter. Every week, we carefully curate exclusive content from leading minds in addiction recovery, mental health, and all things important to the recovery lifestyle. Stay in the know with the latest news about addiction and get exclusive invitations to specially recovery-focused events and explore insights tailored to support recovery from alcoholism, drug addiction, codependency, disordered eating, dysfunctional family dynamics, gambling, and so much more. With our newsletter, each week becomes an opportunity for growth, healing, and taking a step closer to the life you deserve. Take your first step towards a brighter future today. Go to recoveredlife.us and subscribe for free. Sign up now at recoveredlife.us.